Here we are again. Good morning. Welcome to Reflection. The Lord be with you. Will you please pray with me? O oh, Father in heaven, give us uh, an idea or a feeling of how close to us you actually are. And let this sustain us through everything we're dealing with right now, that we're praying about right now, everything that has crossed our path, path in the last week or will be crossing our path in the week to come. Keep us aware of your nearness. Through Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever, one God, eternal in the heavens. Amen. All right, this morning, it's Luke chapter 22, verse 39. And Jesus came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. Uh, this was after the Last Supper. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. All right, are you ready for another dose of our morning meds? Our meditation medication relieves us from a common disorder, spiritual somnambulance, that is sleepwalking through life. Anthony DeMello begins his book, Awareness, saying, Spirituality means waking up. Most people, even though they don't know it, are asleep. They're born asleep. They live asleep. They marry in their sleep. They breed in sleep. They die in their sleep without ever waking up. They never understand the loveliness and the beauty of this thing we call human existence. Waking up was one of my morning meds this last week. Jesus comes to his drowsy disciples and he asks them, why are you sleeping? Well, we know why, because Luke has told us they were sleeping for sorrow. I used to think that Luke was making an excuse for them, that he was letting them off easy, saying, well, you know, uh, they just couldn't stay awake. They were too sad. <clears throat> but 
After thinking about it, I realized that grief can be exhausting, just as depression is exhausting. And a dark cloud of sadness hung over their table talk that night. Jesus had said to them that this would be their last meal together, that one of them was going to betray him. He said um, that the Son of Man goes as it was written of him, that he's numbered with the transgressors, quoting from Isaiah 53, which also talks about the lamb that's sacrificed for the sins of everyone. He said to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. And he also said, you're going to deny that you even know me. So all this sadness um, did weigh on them. I do not doubt that now. And so when Jesus came to them, and uh, have, after asking them to pray for him, he found them asleep. This is something about myself that I do not like at all. And that is when there is a time when I really should stay awake, I'm not, and I'm not able to do that. I got so frustrated. <clears throat> it, it feels like a state of helplessness I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to stay awake. I used to take long drives when I lived in the desert. I mean, just to get anywhere, you have to take long drives. And sometimes at night, I would stop and drink coffee. I hate coffee, but I'd stop and drink a couple cups of coffee, get in my car, roll down the windows, turn the radio on full blast, get on the road and fall asleep. I mean, it was almost inevitable. And I, and I hate that that I can't stay awake when I want to. I think it's similar to the helplessness we feel when we experience cowardice in the face of sudden danger. It's our nervous system taking over, doing what it needs to protect us, to, to save our lives, and, and doing it before we even think. We're, we're running for fear, or we're crouching down, or we're freezing, uh, not thinking about what our reaction should be maybe not even knowing what the danger is. It may be a loud explosion, which could be a number of things, some of them deadly and some, some of them harmless. And, and that act of cowardice, I think is like what Peter experienced when later that same night he was caught off guard. And as Jesus said, he denied that he even knew Jesus. I don't think it was because Peter lacked courage, but at that moment, he lacked the grace to be courageous. God did not give him the grace to be courageous. Not that time. Later he would. But at that time, everything had to go according to the scriptures and what, what had to happen. The disciples could not resolve Jesus' question with a simple answer. Well, uh, we were too sad to stay awake, or we were really, really sleepy, Lord, so sorry. These excuses are not good enough. They do not justify 
how they could let this happen at this critical hour. The mob was at the gate and Judas was leading them. And as he spoke, they were approaching and the disciples slept. It's not uncommon for us to have sleepless nights. This happens too often for me, insomnia. We're kept awake by illness or pain. We're kept awake by anxieties or there's an emergency. So many times uh, when the kids were small, in the middle of the night, we'd hear something, we'd have to jump up and go see if they were okay or go take care of things. Um, have to do some chores in the middle of the night we really did not want to do, but were necessary. <clears throat> and I think that um, even when we've been fatigued and wanted, wanted to sleep and are unable, it's very frustrating. This was one of those times for Jesus when he could not sleep. His sorrow was infinitely greater than the disciples would ever experience or could ever imagine. But instead of being there for him, they slept through his agony. Jesus taught us to pray our way around temptation or pray temptation away from us or pray our way through temptation. When we pray, we enlist God's help. Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And earlier uh, in verse 40, when he came to the place in the garden of Gethsemane, where he was going to pray, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. We do not have to go through these hard times alone. Temptation is not only seduction to sin, it's also a testing, a, a trial, a, a period of ordeal where our, our faith is tested, our loyalty to God might be tested, or love for others might be tested. And we can ask God to be with us so that we don't take a wrong turn and walk ourselves into a deadly situation that we cannot manage. That means that frequently our prayer includes listening. We're not doing all the talking, but we allow God to speak to us. And, and in prayer, God has our attention, or at least he should have our attention. If our thoughts are all on what we want and what we need and what's happening in the world and what we want God to do so that we're not even <clears throat> thinking about him. It's more like we're, we're standing at a vending machine uh, rather than before <clears throat> this ultimate being. <clears throat> if he has our attention, then he talks to us here, now. So even if something unexpected happens, we're not caught off guard. We don't enter into the temptation or, or into the unexpected without some kind of preparation. Even if we don't know what it is, we're prepared because we're prepared to trust God because we've been listening to him.
Meditating on this verse, I heard Jesus asking me, why are you sleeping? <clears throat> and that gets to me because I realize that I go through so many hours of any given day unconscious of God's nearness. Sometimes I'm very much aware of what God has not given me or what God has taken from me. But when I'm awake and aware, I realize what Jesus has given me, that he has given me moments, not just a few special moments scattered throughout my lifetime, but a continuous stream of moments, one coming right after another. And God's Spirit inhabits each one of those moments. God's Spirit inhabits this moment, here, now. Can you allow your mind to go there? God's Spirit is in this moment. <clears throat> These moments throw through bright patches of sunlight and valleys darkened by the shadow of death. They flow constantly, and in each moment there is something worth noticing, something that awakens within us a sense of awe, a sense of wonder. And when we notice that, when we are awake in our moments, that awe, that wonder becomes worship for us. It becomes that feeling of reverence, that feeling of specialness about this time, this space, this moment. Sometimes when I'm reading a book, I remember awareness that I can have awareness of whatever I'm doing, wherever I am, and that I can practice it at any time, <clears throat> no matter what else is going on. So when I'm reading a book and I remember awareness, I switch to a different level of experience. I continue reading, but even while still reading, I'm aware of the fact that I am reading. I'm aware of myself reading. I'm still comprehending the words, I'm still getting what's there, but there's a fuller experience to it. Because with that awareness comes gratitude that I'm able to read, gratitude that I have something worth reading, that I'm learning something from it, or I'm, I'm being inspired by it or entertained by it. I don't miss anything that's on the page, but I've added something to my experience. And you know, there is this moment right now while I'm talking. I can be aware of myself talking to you and you're listening, but you can also be aware that you're listening. And now you're waking up as you sit wherever you are 
and you're thinking, I'm aware of what I'm doing in this moment. We can be so many other places in our minds. This, this morning when I was taking a shower, I realized I was on the phone with a friend. It's a call that I have to make in the next 24 hours or so regarding an appointment this week. And I wasn't in the, in the shower mentally or in awareness. I was someplace else doing something else. And when I became aware of that, I came back to that moment of, you know, that I enjoy the hot water streaming over my head. It felt so good. <clears throat> Anthony DeMello is right. We walk in our sleep. We can also talk in our sleep and listen in our sleep. We do these things, but we're not aware of the fact that we are doing them or what is happening as we do them, what is unfolding in this particular moment. Because something is always happening. A door is always opening and we walk right past the open door and never see it. Not being aware, we're not fully experiencing life. You want a long life? You can lengthen your life just by slowing down and enjoying the moment by moment development of life. We may have lots of thoughts about life, but that's not the same thing as experiencing what it is to be alive in this place at this time. My youngest son, Scotty, has three children and I'm with them all day long, uh, two days a week. Uh, I'm there by 6.30 and I usually don't leave his home in the evening before 6.30 after he gets back from work. And, and that means that um, I, pre I get them breakfast, I get them off to school, uh, I pack a lunch for uh, the oldest, uh, Addison, and I won't say that Scotty has spoiled his kids, but they complain if when he peels oranges, they leave any of the strings on the oranges. Do you know what I mean by the strings? Uh, it, it's part of the, what, the pulp uh, of the orange. And they just have to have, you know, the fruit, no strings attached. Now, when I was a kid, if there was any part of a fruit I didn't like, the skin of an apple, the strings on an orange, I was told that was the best part for me. And so I would eat it dutifully. Um, for some reason, it doesn't work on Scotty's kids. So when I'm peeling an orange for Addison in the morning, I'm taking off all the strings. And I really don't enjoy this. It's taking up time. I'm usually nervous about getting her to school before the bell rings. And here I am wasting my time when she could just eat it like this, right? Why can't she just be a normal 1950s girl? Well, one day as I'm peeling this orange over the sink, Addison comes up and stands next to me. She's 13 years old now. Um, and in some ways she's 
quite the grown-up while still being quite the child. But she said, you know, Grandpa, um, last week I was sharing my lunch with a friend and I shared my orange with her. And when she looked at it, she said, wow, this orange has been peeled with care. Now, I thought that it was, it was funny for her friend to say that. It sounds so much like a 12 or 13 year old girl, uh, a little precocious perhaps. Then Addison telling me, I thought, oh, how sweet that she'd tell me that. And I thought, wait, she's manipulating me so that I always do this for her. I'm not sure really what was going on. But now when I'm peeling the strings off the orange, it's become a moment for me, a moment when I'm doing something for my granddaughter and I'm doing it with care and I'm doing it for the right reasons, not because this is the only way she'll eat it and not with, you know, my, my grouchy grandpa face, but I'm doing it with care because I love her and because she is precious to me. Every once in a while, I'll catch an expression on the face of one of my grandchildren, or I'll hear their voice in its, all of its expressiveness, their, their childlike voice saying something, and it moves me. It moves me into a present moment enjoyment of that child and of their childness. And I feel reverence. I feel thankful to God, but I, I feel that special sense of reverence, like, ah, this is sacred. This is a pause in the hustle and bustle of this morning's routine. I'm learning to savor reverence when it occurs, savor the moments. So how can I feel that doing chores is a waste of time when moments of wonder flow through each chore that I do? Can we wake ourselves up to these God-filled moments? Well, of course we can. I mean, God made us to live within these moments. He lives within them and, uh, you know, alongside of us. And uh, he, he wants us to be awake to them. He wants us to live in awareness. So I ask, can we set a spiritual alarm clock so that when it goes off, what we hear is Jesus saying, why are you sleeping? And I think sometimes he shouts this at us. Why are you sleeping? Look, look at traffic. Look at this. Look at that. Look at the clouds. Look, there's something beautiful. There's something threatening. There's something awesome. And you're asleep. How do we, how do we start any new and exciting project? Well, we clear off our desks or we clear off the workbench or we clear off an area of the floor where we can lay things out. We create a space where we will do our work 
And that's how we can begin here, by creating a space, a mental space that we need in order to notice what is here now. So we remove anxiety, re resentment, regret, um, every intrusive thought, every fantasy, every daydream. Uh, we remove the normal narrative that goes on in our brain. I, I, there, I narrate almost everything uh, when I'm when I'm really involved in something. Okay, now I'm doing this. Now I need to go get the scissors. Now I need to go get that ball of string. Now I need to, you know, tie the ends together and put a tail on the kite. And it, it, it's almost like I'm a sportscaster saying, and now he's, he's running to the car with his keys in hand. St. Paul said that we remove arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We, we remove all these thoughts that mitigate knowing God, because we can know God, and we can know him in this moment. We can know his presence. We can know his nearness. We can know that he comes to us in love and in goodness. And, and sometimes to do this, we. We clear the desk of our mind of, of all these other thoughts. We, we take them captive. We, we lock them away in a prison cell for a while. Uh, we hang a do not disturb sign over our brain. But sometimes to do this, you have to relax your body first. A tense body will cause the mind to tense. And a tense mind will cause the body to be tense. So we have to relax our bodies. And as we relax our bodies, that helps to relax the mind. If you can relax your mind first, great. Relax your mind and then tell your body to relax. Go through it and find all those tight muscles. Find all the tension, all the stress, and let it go. When Jesus was with his disciples after the resurrection, John tells us, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. This gift of the breath of life that God has given us is a great <clears throat> biological app. If I can say that, it's an app for the body and the mind for waking up and noticing. You don't have to run around looking for it. Um, you don't have to make an appointment to get to your breath. You don't have to open a closet and pull your breath out like a yoga mat or something. The breath is always here and it's easy to, to find. It's easy to locate. Um, and if the breath isn't here, well, neither are you. <laughs> so as long as you're here, your breath is here. You can go to your breath and you can feel the air entering your nostrils, sweeping against the back of your throat. If possible, try to feel it go all the way down into your lungs and notice how your chest expands in order to take the air in and it contracts to release the air. 
when your whole abdomen expands with each breath and contracts, especially if you're breathing deeply. Notice how a deep cleansing breath feels in your body and your brain. You take three slow deep breaths and you're changing your brain chemistry. You are telling your body to relax. If you receive God's Spirit with each breath, if you just open yourself up again to God's Spirit, it's not that He leaves each time you exhale, but each time you inhale, it can be, I'm receiving the Spirit of God into my mind, into my heart, into my spirit, into my body. And if you do this, notice how your body and mind are blessed with a relaxed state. You can almost feel your heart rate slowing and your blood pressure going down. And take a moment to enjoy that, to give thanks for the blessedness of this breath of life, this gift of the Spirit, as Jesus is breathing himself into you. We practice this. We practice this so that it becomes a tool that's always at hand when we need to know that God is near, when we need to be helpful to someone else, when we need to get over our anxiety, our stress, because today there's so much traffic and so many crazy drivers, and I apologize if I'm one of them. There are two other wake-up exercises, just briefly, because we could go into this a lot deeper than I am, but take one of your daily habits, like brushing your teeth, tying your shoes, and turn off your automatic pilot and pay attention to everything that your body does. The great thing about habits and automatic pilot is that we can do one thing while thinking about something else. We automatically tie our shoes, we automatically brush our teeth. But if we intentionally notice what we usually do not notice because it's automatic pilot, that moment is filled out with a newness. It's like we're learning for the first time, only we're learning to watch what our body knows to do. If you just pay attention to your fingers for, for one minute, for five minutes, it's amazing all that your fingers do. They're, they don't just grasp and release. Sometimes they carefully pinch. They feel texture. Notice how your fingers will, will move when you carry your car keys, when you turn a doorknob, when you lift something. Sometimes we use our fingers against the wall to balance ourselves. Just watch your fingers, you'll be amazed. And all these things that your, your hands and fingers do without you ever paying attention, 
will astound you. You are uh, more adroit than you realize. So that's, that's another way to wake up. And then choose one object or one idea and notice the pure experience of it. Notice that idea without analyzing it. If it makes you feel good or if it makes you feel perplexed, notice that and don't ask, why does this make me feel this way? Just notice how it makes you feel. Notice the experience of it. If you're looking at an object and it has blue in it, don't name it, don't label it, don't say, oh, that's blue. Notice the sensation of blue because blue reaches your eyes at a different wavelength than red or yellow or any other color or no color. And notice the, the, the sensation, the experience of that object's blueness without names or labels. Practice being fully conscious of the present moment every day. Practice awareness for five minutes a day. If you have 10 minutes, if you have time for that, great. 10 minutes, 15 is even better. And what most people learn when they begin to practice contemplative prayer is to sit in God's presence for 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes every evening. I think that's probably ideal for most of us if we can reach that and when we do. But if not, spend the time that you do have and then anywhere you are at any time, you can return to your moment by moment experience simply by taking a cleansing breath and being here now. And in that moment, you can notice wonder and feel reverence. Listen to the logic of this lesson that Jesus taught in John chapter 12. He said, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If you're going to serve me, well, you have to follow me. And if you're following me, wherever I am, there you will be also. Do you need Jesus? Do you want Jesus? Where is he? Well, if we're his servants, he is here now. I don't want to pretend that I'm his servant if I'm not loving. I don't want to pretend I'm his servant if I don't love my Asian brother and sister, my black brother or sister, my any color brother or sister, my Native American, my Mexican neighbor. Um, all of these, all of these people, th th these lives that God has placed on this planet with us, that, that we share God with, and we share the universe with, all these people, if I don't love them, I can't pretend that I'm a servant of Jesus. But if I am a servant of Jesus, and I do open my heart 
to love others, even my enemies, then Jesus is here now. God is love. And whoever loves God is in God, and God is in that person. Why are you sleeping? Wake up. Wake up. And now, let's move on to our next moment. May the Lord bless us, keep away all evil, and lead us into eternal life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.